Star Wars aesthetic is, is really elusive. I mean, the simple answer is that it's George, and it's Ralph McQuarrie, and it's Joel Johnston, but that's only part of it. Uh, Star Wars aesthetic is also grounded very much in the 70s and 80s, and it's also in the era in terms of where George was when he was making those movies, in terms of the materials and the designs that he was influenced by. And so it's all of those things. And it's a really tricky one because if it was a simple answer, if there were certain guidelines or formulas that we would have, our jobs would be so much easier. But it's not that because it's very elusive. biggest challenges with doing a Star Wars film is that everything in the movie has to be designed. Everything from the forks and the tables to the costumes uh, to the dwellings they live in to the culture itself. What kind of a culture it is, what kind of artifacts do they have. And it's a very big job because every little minute detail has to be thought through. Star Wars fans and Moof Milkers everywhere. Welcome back. This is episode 105 of Blast Points. This is Jason. Hey, it's Gabe. And The Last Jedi is still in theaters. Still making people so mad. Yeah. <laughs> Driving people crazy in all kinds of ways. <laughs> in new ways every day. I love it. I hate it. Too many people wear shoes in that movie. This movie's too much Star Wars. I want a movie with less Star Wars. <laughs> I like my Star Wars with less Star Wars. That, that you know, I think I've actually read that from people. I'm sure you have. <laughs> <laughs> but but <laughs> who put Star Wars in my Star Wars? <laughs> I can, it's a little bit less Star Wars for me, thank you. Yeah. But it's still in theaters. People are still going to see it. And meanwhile, we're looking at Russian calendars and blurry Lego pictures from Han Solo, a.k.a. Solo, which comes still comes out in five months. Less than five months almost, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, less. I mean, less. We're, in, we're in January now, so. Oh. So let's get into it. Let's start talking about some uh, some of the solo stuff that's been going on since we've been gone. Han Solo. 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 Yeah, so we'll probably start at the the oldest of the solo news is probably that uh, artwork that came out, the kind of promotional image that turned out was from a Russian calendar, which Disney said was not official. 
but it turns out at least if these blurry lego pictures are correct is official <laughs> it's officially unofficial alden ehrenreich is han you got chewy looking like very attractive chewy i think his, he's got a new bandolier that instead of having tools and weapons just has hair care products i think <laughs> shampoos and conditioners and combs well you know it's a younger chewy so we don't know what younger chewy was into hopefully we'll find out <laughs> We'll see what, uh, how he wooed his woman. Oh, do you, you don't know how much time I spend just thinking about if Mala and Lumpy in some way, shape or form are going to be in the solo film. If that Ron Howard tease picture of that looked like two Wookiees kissing is the real deal, we might see it. Don't forget about that. <laughs> don't, don't let Last Jedi wipe that memory from your mind. Yeah, so and then uh, Donald Glover is there as Lando with one of the uh, yellow shirts from the the other. I mean, all it's what's funny is that all this stuff is kind of from all the uh, Ron Howard like Twitter Instagram pictures in a way. So um, it seems pretty legit. His collar is absolutely incredible, and he's wearing is that like a necklace? Like, does he have a is that like a camera strap or something? He's taking photos. It kind of looks like it, yeah. Or a tie, I don't know. Uh, Amelia Clark is up there, still a complete unknown what's going on with her in the movie. Other than if we go in by the Legos, she appears to be in one of those street race cars with Han, possibly. So she seems like she's hanging out with him quite a bit. But then in the corner of these uh, Russian calendar images is the Falcon speeding off and... Falcon looks pretty different. Yeah, it's got a, what, radar dish? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, all the Lego stuff is kind of confirmed in here. The radar dish is sticking straight up. The gun turrets look like they only have one barrel. And there's definitely stuff in in the gap in the front of the Falcon, right? Maybe to make it, it streamlined to go faster. Mm-hmm. It looks like there's little, like, needle things, like, sticking out of the back, too. Do you notice that? It's crazy. It's crazy. You gotta zoom way in. <laughs> There's like little antennas or something sticking out in the back where the thrusters are. Yeah, or it kind of looks like it's just like another layer of stuff over the thrusters or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's wild. I'm into it though. I don't know how I'm going to be able to handle going to see a new Star Wars movie when potentially the last Star Wars movie is still in a theater. I have the dollar theater, second run theater by me, and usually when movies come out on DVD. Is when they get it. Ooh. It was a few months after Force Awakens was on Blu-ray. I could still go see it in the theater if I wanted to at the Dollar Theater. So I have a feeling that in May I'll be able to go see. I could go see Last Jedi in the theater and then go see Han in the theater. At this, I don't know. <laughs> the the only thing you compare that to is when we were in Grand Rapids. There was like one week when the big theater in Grand Rapids was playing all three special editions at the same time. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. And we did it. Yeah. But that's still like re-release of movies in a way, right? Like it's it's, it's so crazy to think that there's going to be two new Star Wars movies out in less than six months with each other, of each other. Yeah. Like the solo trailer, they're like, I feel like they're almost threatening us with rumors at this point. Like it's going to be really, really soon. Get ready for the solo trade, you know? And it's like, I honestly want to be like, I am not ready. Mm-mm. Part of me doesn't even need it. No. Like, no. You know? Because I'm still like, I got Last Jedi on the brain. I'm ready to go see Last Jedi 
again and again and again. It's like I don't even want to think about Solo because I want to keep. I don't want like to get Last Jedi out of my head. I'm still. I'm still full. I'm not ready for another dinner. I just had Thanksgiving dinner. I don't want to have Thanksgiving dinner two on Friday. <laughs> just, just let, let me enjoy my full tummy from Thursday for a, for a weekend. We can't stop it. It's coming, whether we want it or not, whether we need it. The Disney Death Star of Star Wars movies is will be in range in four months. Shoot another movie down our down our throats. Can't wait. It's kind of the same sort of thing too. We're in we're in the the pre golden time where we're you know leave, we're getting the Lego leaks, which always come first. We're starting to see find out things. We're going to get the first, which yeah, is crazy. That it's like this could be a teaser trailer because we haven't seen anything yet, but it's close enough. It's like this would be our final trailer time almost. I, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm not ready to start wondering again when we're getting a trailer. Because I start, I found myself getting caught up in that. I was just like, "Well, is it gonna, when? When's the trailer coming?" And like thinking about like timelines in my head, like doing math and like calendars and stuff. Like, well, if it's just this many months away, well, then it's got to be this. And da, 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 da. and it's like, wait a minute, we just got done with this. And in Solo is now the last Jedi of promotions for Star Wars movies, where they completely flipped what we thought was going to happen, and now we have no idea what's going to happen because. We've never been this close to a new movie and not known this much because there was another movie that just came out. So, yeah, all the old you can't compare it to Rogue One or Force Awakens for timeline because there's not enough time left. I was thinking about the the whole um, The Last Jedi trailers and everyone's like, oh, it's Ryan Johnson is the master of misdirection. And it's like, well, not really. Because, like, the whole Ray, like, and Kylo, like, join me, you know? Yeah, well, he's the master of misdirection by not misdirecting you at all and making you think it was misdirection. <laughs> somebody somewhere, there's somebody mad about that. He, he gave you a mystery box that was already open <laughs> and convinced you that you weren't actually looking inside of it. Because, <laughs> yeah, maybe we won't get a teaser or a trailer. They'll just start with TV spots for Solo. Maybe we'll get the, the, uh, the Japanese trailer first. There's no rules anymore for Star Wars. It's the wild times times two. Who knows what's going to happen? In other solo a Star Wars story news, it was revealed that John Williams will be composing Han Solo's theme with John Powell still doing the regular score duties. That was a surprise. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere, right? Because when did they announce? They announced John Powell way back. That was a few months ago, yeah. It was like right after the Ron Howard announcement, somewhere around there. Makes me wonder, like, part of me feels like, do you think Williams came up to them and was like, you know, I'm not doing the music for this movie, but I have this idea for a theme for Han Solo. Can I can I give it to you? Or do you think they were like, I know you're so tired, but can we get a few, <laughs> a few hours from you? Like, I would think they would have him in that bag thing that Finn was wearing to make sure that he stays alive <laughs> for episode nine. John Williams naked leaking bag. What? <laughs> I mean, it's wild to think about these doing it, but it's great. That be just because Han never had his own theme. Yeah. Right. If anybody's going to do it, it probably should be John Williams. Well, and especially since there was so much 
kind of speculation during Force Awakens was the what was there? There was the Falcon kind of got a theme. Like, was any of that stuff considered Han's theme? So, yeah, it'll be cool for him finally, forty years later, <laughs> to get a theme song. Maybe it's interesting. I, I've realized in the time since Rogue One that I think I'm one of the ten people out there, and you're number two with me that actually like Michael Guacamole's score for Rogue One. Really? I didn't know that everyone actually hated it, but supposedly they do. I don't know, but I read so many people just like who just brush off that whole soundtrack, which it's interesting because like I've really cozied up to the last Jedi soundtrack, but the Rogue One soundtrack was much more immediate for me than the last Jedi soundtrack even. Yeah. The last Jedi soundtrack is very like, it's almost like too deep, but it grows on you over time. And the more you see the movie, the more you appreciate it. But yeah, Rogue One's like the one you're driving around humming in the car. Like I, I'll find myself on Netflix just like looking to watch something, and I'll just go over the Rogue One thing just to hear the da 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 like just for a couple seconds, and then go back to whatever music or movie I'm looking for. A peek into your daily routine. Yeah, please don't take Rogue One out of Netflix. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I had no idea that people don't like that score. It's great. Oh, man. Yeah, I love it. It's it's like a greatest hits album. Instant. I don't know. John Powell, I'm keeping an open mind. I'm optimistic. And it'll be exciting because it'll be some new stuff, which it is kind of it's cool to have John Williams with it. It's kind of weird because it's kind of like he's butting his head in. But maybe, you know, he had some good stuff because who knows? Maybe he even came out of when he was doing Last Jedi. He just like had some stuff they didn't use. And he was like, oh, you know, if you ever need something. I thought of this. He might have had something, you know, very much like the genesis of the whole idea for this movie. He might have had something left over from Empire or Jedi. Yeah, it's true. Or even Force Awakens. Who knows? Like, he may have had stuff he was kicking around that ended up not being needed. And you can't, you can't complain about more John Williams music, so... So if you didn't get sick of us talking about episode eight for the last two years, you probably will in like the next two years get sick of us talking about nine. But we had the first of kind of concrete nine news in a long time where we found out the production title of nine is none other than Black Diamond. Hit it! Yeah, obviously named after the, the Kiss classic. Of course, right? They're making it too easy for us. When I heard that, I was just like... Well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're thinking of us. And I didn't read too many other people connecting it to Kiss. Everyone else was just like, Black Diamond, like Snoke's ring, you know? And it's like, no, <laughs> obviously they're talking about Kiss. I mean, it could be, you know, it's the ski slope that's really hard and difficult, but I think it's it's more likely <laughs> they like Peter, or yeah, they like Peter Chris singing, so... 
It's a kiss tune. Well, probably because Peter Chris is going to be in episode nine. I mean, it's what it's all been leading to. Peter Chris has been Snoke all along, just trying to get back at Gene and Paul. When they sent the messages out to the Outer Rim, it was Kiss that heard it. (laughs) And they're going to come out from space. (laughs) You know, Kiss stands for Knights of Ren. (laughs) (laughs) Knights in Snoke's service. It's all there. I mean, JJ knows what's up. That Beastie Boy stuff is just a ruse. (laughs) Throw us off the scent. So I cannot wait for Kiss to show up in episode nine. You heard it here first. Mm -hmm. Actually, you actually you didn't hear here first. We've been talking about it for two years now, (laughs) three years. And you'll hear it here again, I'm sure, in the next nine or year and a half. So we look forward to talking about Black Diamond a lot. Uh, I cannot wait for like someone to take a picture of like the like the onset chairs so we can start to get Black Diamond t-shirts made. Yes. Thank you, JJ Abrams. <laughs> Black Diamond! Yeah, so we're we're gonna be a wreck because we're gonna have Three Star Wars movies on the brain at the same time. Well, probably we're going to find out, you know, more about Ryan Johnson's trilogy. We're going to find out whatever the next standalone is. Yeah, if there even is another standalone. I hope so. I mean, at this point, if the Kenobi thing doesn't happen, then that's just weird. But unless they're going to be alternating the Ryan Johnson stuff a lot to discover in the next uh, few months of what's going to happen. But I'm dreading next Christmas is going to be our first Christmas in three years, it's not Star Wars Christmas. Our families are going to be really happy, (laughs) but I'm I'm not going to know what to do with myself. Yeah, I'm just going to be sitting there thinking about episode nine (laughs) quietly under the tree. But we'll have the Han, we'll have the solo uh, Blu-ray probably for Christmas. Yeah. That's what we'll be doing. Just watch it over and over again. The family will be together and I'll be, I need some solo time. Solo and other action figures each sold separately. Oh, not check the carbon freezing chamber. Ready, sir. Why did you do it? The Empire tricked me, Han. I had no choice. Prepare for freezing. Long live the Alliance. Goodbye, my friend. Lando Calrissian and new Han Solo, Ugnaught, and Lobot action figures each sold separately from Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection from Kenner. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dulan, Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Blast Points with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you always. Yeah, I mean, even speaking of that with, like, Christmas, like, the last three years for Christmas, I've gotten the Art of books. Like, I got the Art of Force Awakens, Art of Rogue One, and this year, the Art of Last Jedi. And it's always something It's like, well, somebody can just get me the Art of 
the new art of Star Wars book because I know I want that. And weirdly, the art of Star Wars books has been one of the only long running traditions of a new Star Wars movie that's still going on. Yeah, because I mean, the visual dictionary kind of counts, but that didn't, those didn't start until before, right before the prequels, right? I think. When they did the whole visual dictionary thing? I think so, because they did the original trilogy one first, and then they started with the prequels? Or did they start with the prequels? I don't even remember. Yeah, I think it was like episode one, and then right around the time of episode one, they came out with also like the um, the uh, original trilogy. Yeah. Visual dictionary. But yeah, the art books go back into the original trilogy when they first came out, right? Like there was some form of art of stuff even with the first movie, wasn't there? Yeah, the first art of Star Wars, A New Hope, came out in 1979, which was right around the time of the making of, famous making of Star Wars TV special. And it's interesting because there weren't, before that, a whole lot of art of movie books that came out like they would be like the paperback books talking about like the the making of films like there was the famous jaws log well there's like that uh, making a 2001 book yeah and there was like the making of like the star trek original series and stuff like that but from what i can tell there weren't too many other like books that just showcased like the production art of a film you look through these art books of the star wars movies and there's so rich with stuff and so much great stuff in them. But sometimes when you watch the films, you're so focused on the story and the characters, hopefully, that some of the amazing stuff in design that you see, you just take it all as part of this giant Star Wars stew that you're watching up on the screen. And it isn't until you're able to flip through some of these art books and really appreciate some of the work that went into them. Yeah, and I think one of the most interesting things, especially with seeing The Last Jedi one, too, is just seeing how the process is very similar, but also kind of how it's changed over the years. Like the goals are the same of designing these alien worlds and things that don't exist, but just, you know, the style of the concept work and the, the media they use to make it and then just and the amount of time they have to do it, like comparing to stuff in the original trilogy to how the art was in the prequel trilogy and then seeing how the art is in now in the sequel trilogy. And also I've been having fun looking at some of the wilder stuff in the art book and then realizing in the visual dictionary that they actually made that stuff for the film and it is there somewhere in the background. Yeah, especially in the Canto Bite stuff. There's so much stuff in the art book that you see made it into the film, at least was made. You see it in the visual dictionary, but it's almost impossible to spot actually in the Canto Bite sequences. Well, and also I think what's nice, which I think they started with Force Awakens since it's kind of too new to do a real, or they're not ready to do the real kind of in-depth making of stuff to get some insights into some of the scenes that were either planned and not filmed or things that were potentially filmed and just were cut. Like I think a lot of the stuff we may get on the Blu-ray for Last Jedi, we kind of get hints of in the art book, either in storyboard or concept form. And then also just with the little interview clips and bits with the uh, production people and Ryan Johnson. Well, and I'm looking forward to, because this with this episode, we're starting something we're going to be doing throughout this whole year of 2018, where we're going to go through every couple months or so, each film's art book and talk about those very things, like the hints that are in those art books of what could have been, what was at one time, completely blue sky concepts that the, 
were never even followed up on. And I'm really looking forward to digging through as many as we can this year of um, the art books and imagining what if. I think one of the things that's just made Star Wars in general kind of feel so cohesive and like one big story and universe is that they never really throw anything away too. And that future films will go back and repurpose unused concepts from previous films, which kind of has been the way they did it, right? Even from empire, right? Kind of going back and grabbing things that they couldn't do or didn't have a use for. And especially even in uh, clone wars and rebels that their bread and butter have taken clone wars did so much that wasn't used in the prequels and, Rebels using so much um, Macquarie influence. Mm-hmm. So the Art of Last Jedi book, it could be one of my favorite Art of books so far. I think this one more so than some of the other Art of books has a lot of fascinating text that kind of give you a really interesting look at the making of not just The Last Jedi, but of the whole kind of sequel era. Information we had not heard before. Yeah, that's a good point because it didn't really dawn on me. I don't know if they had told us this earlier, but just how early Last Jedi started production. And for because that's kind of, I think, been some of the complaints. People are like, Disney's just making movies too fast. They aren't giving them enough time. But technically, Last Jedi had like the three years that you would have had with the prequels or the original movies because they started. Ryan was writing the script in pre-production while they were filming Force Awakens. And even before that, there's stuff in here that goes back to when Lucas was still working with Michael Arndt on the screenplay. I mean, they first start talking about production art for The Last Jedi being made or what eventually became The Last Jedi back in January 2013. And to put that into picture, that's about two, three months after the sale to Disney. And you got to think, too, like, and we talk about this all the time, when we went to the art department of the Force Awakens panel at Celebration Anaheim, or was it Rick Carter, was talking about how he was hired by George Lucas to start working on what was going to be the first of this new trilogy. And so in, then in January 2013, were the first paintings of grumpy Luke Skywalker hanging out at this jedi temple on an island yeah and it's been interesting to see that home for how much uh grumpy lucas was about force awakens at least initially that they didn't really throw his drafts out as much as just kind of reconfigure the timeline and push some of that stuff back and just recently pablo hidalgo was on twitter there always was the ray character but back then she was known as kira there was always luke going through turmoil he reformed the Jedi. One student turned against it. And then Luke eventually having a change of heart and coming around. Luke always struggled with the dark side. Even in Lucas's version, he secluded himself far away. In the arc of the story, he finds his vitality and comes back to himself. And it was Michael Arndt who suggested moving Luke and the discovery of Luke to the ending of the first chapter. Who knows how long that was after whatever went down with Lucas though. I don't know. But I mean, I think, I mean, they had said when Arndt was still there, when JJ came on at least initially. So some of those talks probably happened then because they talked about that in the force awakens book, didn't they? Or at least in the interviews that like they had to, they had to push Luke back because whenever Luke was in the script, it kind of took all the momentum out of the new characters. So 
I mean, they've been talking about that for, for two, two, three years now. They put a lot of thought and work into these movies. And even though they're just throwing more people at them to get a movie out each year, but they're actually not like, um, well, up until episode nine now, uh, starting immediately (laughs) after the last one, like they spent a lot of time before force awakens came out working through what that was going to be. And the same with last Jedi will be interesting with episode nine that because of what happened with Carrie Fisher, like JJ is kind of a little more pressed for time, but I got to think a lot of the pre-production, just general world building artwork stuff that they had been doing for nine all this time, they can probably keep using. Cause you got to think nine's probably been in pre-production for over a year now. You, they, you learn in the art of last Jedi that Ryan Johnson first started working every day at Lucasfilm in July, 2014 on the last Jedi. And it wasn't until March, 2015 that he was officially announced as the director. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. I mean, yeah, even when I was reading The Art of Last Jedi, I couldn't help thinking, well, how far along was Colin Trevorrow's version of Episode Nine? Like, definitely us included thought, well, J.J.'s just starting over with Nine now because you got that impression from the way the news went down. Maybe that's not the case. Yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't be. I mean, if anything, it's probably very similar to what Force Awakens was where, you know, Lucas was working on it, Michael Arndt was working on the script, and when... Lawrence Kazan and JJ took it over. They rewrote the script, but they didn't throw the story out. Like there was a story, there was artwork, there were things that they built off of. So it's probably a similar deal. It's probably makes sense why they, one of the reasons they got JJ too, is it seems very similar to what Force Awakens was when he came on of kind of reworking something that was almost in a finished state, but not quite working the way they wanted. The other neat thing is, especially hearing all the... (laughs) criticism of the last jedi that the last jedi was written almost at the same time as force awakens because he talks about quite a bit how the luxury he had of writing it before anyone had even seen force awakens and basically writing the movie based on you know what he saw being filmed and how he saw the characters going and not having any sort of not being tainted by the audience's reaction to the characters You know, he couldn't have made a movie for the fans of Force Awakens because there were no fans of Force Awakens when he wrote the script. I'm so glad he did, you know, because (laughs) I would hate for him to, like, spend five minutes on Twitter (laughs) and be like, boy, people are really convinced that Snoke is C.O. Bibble. (laughs) I can't let those guys down. (laughs) I can't let Darth Nasty down. He says he's the biggest Star Wars fan of all time. He says he's been there since day one. Yeah. So he's got to be a number one Star Wars fan. This is outrageous. It's outrageous. This is outrageous. Yeah, so let's start going through some of the pages of the book, and let's just talk about some of the highlights that are in here. I think one we should talk about is basically the first page. The horrible Photoshop weird fin in the Bakta bubble with the globe of a planet above his head that looks like something someone did in college is like a Photoshop class. Well, and it's revealed that originally the thought was that the crawl was going to go up. We'd see a spaceship speeding by over Finn's head in his back to tank bubble, which is not a biohexacrypt, sadly. Yeah. And that's why that book, that image is amazing. Cause reading the book, I saw that image and I was like, this is not what I expected in the art book. But then, yeah, getting to the part where there's the thumbnails, the storyboards for the original crawl, 
it was kind of like, wow, okay, that's pretty amazing that, you know, that's up there with JJ wanting to start with Luke's severed hand floating in space. Like they were, they were thinking of some crazy stuff, but it also kind of goes to where, what I was saying about the style of some of this art being different is that you can tell um, from reading it and seeing the art that they had a, Ryan had a very clear vision of the movie and he wrote a script and he kind of shot his script. So a lot of the art is closer to what you see on screen because it didn't seem there was so much of kind of the Lucas style thing of just letting the art department go crazy and then him picking and choosing from that. And also you kind of get the feeling, um, which they talk about in the book a bit too, is that because once they were in full on production for Last Jedi, because Rogue One was in production at the same time that they had to do a lot of things, I think, just kind of quick and dirty to get the point across of what they needed to make the movie and not necessarily had time to do art for art's sake. So some of the stuff isn't as beautiful maybe as you would think, but it's beautiful enough to make a movie from, um, which is a little different than I think stuff that we would have seen in the past in some of these art books when they had their full, you know, two years, three years of production of only working on one Star Wars film at a time. Yeah. And like the, the whole, the art of force awakens book, there's all the stuff in the beginning, which the blue sky period, and even Rogue One had a little bit of that, where it's just like, well, we're just going to, like you said, kind of help the art department dictate the story group on where this is going to go. Or for even inspiration. You don't get that. You don't get the sense of that in The Last Jedi book. Yeah. And like it seems like, you know, there's there's places and bits and pieces in certain locations or vehicles or things that they kind of needed to spend more time on it. But, yeah, it's it's interesting how kind of decisive Ryan Johnson seems like he was. And maybe that's, you know, kind of goes to the reason of Disney saying, Hey, take three more movies without even getting a pitch of what it's going to be because he kind of, he gets the universe. He can write out a script that makes sense and he can make these decisions quickly and concisely. There's one part in the kind of the behind the scenes stuff that I thought was fascinating where they're talking about how Ryan Johnson very early on had a lunch with Lawrence Kasdan and had a trippy walk on the beach with Rick Carter where they just talked about just stuff, right? Movie stuff force stuff. Oh, well, I wouldn't give <laughs> to be a crab on that beach. Just running behind him. <laughs> Wait up. Trying to listen. Disguised as a bush. Yeah. Just walking behind them. Yeah. I'm a bush. Don't mind me. You know, that's, Brings up a good point, though. The, the The hardest thing with reading this book is there's so many things where they're talking about Rick, and there were two different Ricks. There's Rick Carter from Force Awakens, and then the guy they hired for Last Jedi was another Rick, and they don't always say which Rick it is. So I don't know if that if that was driving you nuts, but I kept it's like I don't know what Rick this is. Maybe it's Rick McCallum. Yeah, they're all yeah. Everybody, there's always a Rick. There's Rick Springfield. We don't know. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yeah, could be. You know, one part of the book I was really into early on is all the stuff with the force tree. And did you notice that the there was a lot of drawings of the force tree where it looks like the Rebel Alliance symbol? Yeah. And then even the force tree as it is in Last Jedi, it still kind of looks like it. Yeah, it never really crossed my mind until yeah, reading in the book where the they were saying how the one guy was trying to kind of make it look like the rebel symbol. And now that I know that, yeah, that's 
It looks that way. Yeah, forestry stuff was neat. It was neat to see how the library was originally just a building back when they were. I think that's when they were working on it for Force Awakens. Yeah, in the in the strict Lucas era, and I, I that some of that art that's in the beginning with the Jedi Library and some of the more Lucasy stuff. It's interesting because Doug Chang is talking about like the bell shape of the building and he knew that he was doing art that had to be approved by George. And so he was doing shapes that he knew George liked. <laughs> I like bells, 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 bells. I actually wrote that song. Bells, bells, bells. The thing they do is ring. Bells, bells, bells. What happy thoughts they bring. Anthony Daniels calls him on the phone. Got anything with bells in it? I can sing it. I sure do, Tony. You're going to be so happy. Well, that's like, didn't one of the concept guys, I can't remember who was talking about how sometimes they would draw Jawas and things in the corner because they know then Lucas would stop and look at that that image. Like, <laughs> it's, I think I'll, I'll miss those days where it's like, it does sound like those guys worked with Lucas for so long that they could kind of trick him into picking their concepts. And now with, you know, different directors, each time they kind of can't use those tricks of trying to kind of guide him in the way they want to go. I didn't like it, and then I saw the Jawa in the corner, and I'm sold. Fab- fabuloso. Fab, you get two stamps, two Fabulosos. I'll put one on your forehead, too. In addition to the Finn bubblehead crawl starting thing, I think the biggest mind-blowing part of this book is the storyboards and description of the original reveal of Master Codebreaker. Oh... Because not the cat, you know, Master Codebreaker in his current form is enough to uh, make a grown man pass out. <laughs> but in his original introduction, he was supposedly playing the piano while an alien sang a song, and they walked into the into the bar and saw him on stage with the red uh, plum bloom. Plum bloom. I don't know if they filmed that and women were passing out in in dailies. Or what, but the piano made it in the movie. That's true. So I've been thinking about that way too much of Master Codebreaker playing a a space piano. Marvel Comics, if you're reading, please. They're making a DJ comic. Okay, fine, great. No, 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 need a lift? Okay. But (laughs) come on, give us a Master Codebreaker comic that's, he's just playing the piano. He's a poet with a blaster. He's an ace pilot. That sounds like adventure to me. Star Wars universe, James Bond, if James Bond could play the piano and sing. Who's Lovey? Maybe we don't even need to know who Lovey is, but that would still be cool. Yeah, if Marvel doesn't make a Codebreaker comic, they don't know what they're doing. They <laughs> should just quit. Stop making comics. Across the board. Stop making movies. Stop it. I'll shut it down. Well, interesting, too, with Canto Bite, that originally Poe was going to go with Finn to Canto Bite, and Ryan Johnson said that was kind of boring. You know, at first I read that, I was like, oh, that would be cool. But yeah, also, eh, I don't know. You know, I kind of like, I like Poe's story in The Last Jedi. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. Maybe we're the only ones. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) But I like Ryan Johnson also talking about, like, the the triangles of characters in the last jedi and for finn like rose is like the angel on his shoulder and dj 
is like the devil, and where Kylo and Luke for Ray, and Holdo and Leia for Poe. You know, th- for all of our main characters, there's this duality of which way do you go? Do you go this way or that way? Do you go the master codebreaker way and just roll the dice because you're on a roll? And is that maybe this? Maybe the we won't get the Kenobi movie, but we'll get the master codebreaker movie. I'd be fine with that. I really would. <laughs> or maybe he's the star of the live action show. I think it's worth mentioning too with Canto Bite while we're there that this book uh, proves another incredible scene that I believe was filmed was the sauna alien sauna room. There's a couple pictures. There's two big fat lounging on slab aliens in the visual dictionary. There's some concepts of them and there's some text of Ryan talking about Ryan or one of the production guys talking about how there was an actual, I think real bathhouse in Dubrovnik that they just had to like change out the floor and they filmed all that stuff in there and they talk about how they filmed it. So hopefully on the Blu-ray we'll get some uh, hot, sweaty aliens (laughs) in in towels. We can dream. Yeah. Oh, and I have. (laughs) (laughs) I've been dreaming. I thought it was interesting too, kind of right after that, it says right after Celebration Anaheim in April 2015, that the day after Celebration Anaheim ended, Bob Iger, Kathy Kennedy, and Ryan Johnson had a meeting going over Last Jedi art in the Burbank art office. I know when you think about that, I'm like, man, right after Celebration Anaheim, we were not thinking Episode Eight at all. But that's how far along they were already on Eight. I liked the part. It was interesting. I can't remember what the timeline was of when they had the big meeting, too, with the kind of Lucasfilm brain trust kind of discussing how they were going to do the uh, Ray talking to uh, Kylo stuff. And when they kind of all came to the decision that just just straight cutting back and forth was enough to give people the idea that they could that they could talk to each other. That was way back in July 2014. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. That was four months before the first Force Awakens teaser trailer where we were still calling BB-8 the ball droid. And they were figuring out how Ray and Kylo were going to do their force talk. The secrets, the secrets that are out there that we don't know about. The dark side. And the light. I don't know if you caught this, but this is... A super crazy thing, I think, made just for us. On page 127, there's the concept art of the Pearl General, who is like an old man who has FX7 for his legs and like medical droid arm. And he's wearing like Krennic's cape and a Stormtrooper helmet face. He is in the Visual Dictionary. You know what's crazy is I was looking at the Visual Dictionary and I was like, you know what? I'm going to check out the glossary in the back. And he's hidden away in the back of the visual dictionary. Yeah, he's the last page. It took me a while to find him. And when I found him, I was like, this is insane. But then when, yeah, to come across him later in the art book, it's like, man, they really did make everybody, I think. And maybe when we get the Blu-ray, we can find him in the corner somewhere. But, like, it just blows my mind that they <laughs> someone was like, hey, let's just make a guy with FX7's legs and 2NB's arm. You put an old man on top of him. Was he supposed to be somewhere in Canto Bight? 
he's in the Canto Bite section in the art book. Yeah, I mean, they mention him. The the paragraph description on there is just about the whole processes of, of designing Canto Bite and how it was going to be the super rich. He's supposed to just be some rich general. You know, right on that same page, I don't think I noticed the opera lady. Ooh, her floating dog. Yeah, you're right. That's the concept with the floating dog. Yeah. Like when when they come in on the space horses, you can see the floating dog like float away a little bit. Yeah. Come on, Hasra. Where's the opera opera lady with floating dog figure? I got a stack of money in the corner just waiting. One thing I thought was really cool with the art of Last Jedi book also is that it starts with the death of Han and the Luke stuff because they said they didn't want to give that stuff away in the Art of Force Awakens book. And then so the Art of Last Jedi book kind of stops after Crait or kind of stops with Crait. Yeah, there's not a lot of the Luke stuff in there, at least the end of the movie Luke stuff. Yeah, there's just like one painting of Luke like looking at the 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 twin sunset, but there's nothing of kind of Ray lifting the rocks or a lot of the nitty gritty of Luke. Like I would love just to, you know, what painting was done of Luke meditating over that stone. Oh yeah. By 50 of them. So that could be something to look forward to in the art of episode nine book, which hopefully comes in the shape of a black diamond and you have to like open it diagonally and, Look at all the pages. It's like page after page is nothing but pictures of Paul Stanley. Toronto! You feel good! All right, then, listen. Let's go through some of our favorite art pieces in the whole book. What are what are some of yours, Gabe? This one's really early in the book, but I, maybe it's just because I like this part in the movie so much. But I do, I really like the uh, the painting of Luke and Ray fighting in the rain, which is like right at the very beginning of the book. Uh, one of mine, like we were just talking about, it's on it's a two pager. It's on page two forty eight and two forty nine by Seth Angstrom, uh, Luke with sunset. I mean, though, yeah, yeah, I have that one on my list too, just because that's really the only super Luke from the end of the movie art we get in here isn't it yeah it is super luke i want a poster of that all over print t-shirt with a hat with the suns on it oh yeah where are the tie-dye shirts of meditating luke come on all the all the old biker dudes with their phantom menace tie-dye shirts are it's about time for them to get a new shirt we haven't had a good star wars tie-dye shirt in decades not since phantom menace Right? That was the trend. Yeah. I think they stopped. I don't even think there was a Tech of the Clones tie-dye shirt. They stopped that after Menace. It was too extreme. Another one of my favorites, which is, I think, what is it, on page 35 towards the beginning. It's one of those kind of what-if pictures. It's at the bottom corner. It's called uh, Night Assault Version 1, which must have been when they were t- trying to figure out if there was going to be some sort of battle on the Achu planet. It's something that I hope they... Do in a future movie. It was a cool take on Adats. It's basically Adats walking in water. Where you first look at it, and it kind of looks like boats, but then if you look closer, it's Adats, and then it's the drop ships and Force Awakens and Kylo's ship, and it's just like this kind of creepy first order invasion. And I really like that one. You gotta wonder at some time, did they if they never left Crate or yeah, if the first order 
the Battle of Crate did happen on a Chew planet. Yeah. I really like on pages 228 and 229, the ski, ski speeders with the ATM-6s flying through the legs. Um, I think it's by Kevin Jenkins. I just like that one because it's very, very Macquarie looking. Looks like the Empire concept stuff, all the Hoth stuff. It reminds me of uh, like the Empire portfolio prints that would come in like the cardboard box, and it was like just big art prints. And they made one of those for they did one of those for Jedi and uh, there was a New Hope one and I have the Doug Chang one from Phantom Menace. I love those. I almost bought that the other day and I didn't and I'm kind of mad. Someone had one sealed for like thirty bucks maybe. Ooh, yeah. But it, because it was sealed, I didn't want to buy it because I didn't want to. I knew I would open it and I kind of felt bad of buying a sealed one to open and get my greasy hands all over Cheeto dust. On my Doug Chang art. Yeah, so hopefully next year if I go to that same convention, that guy will have opened it. And then I'll, maybe I'll tell him if he opens it, I'll buy it from him. So I'm going to kind of cheat with this one because it's more than one page. And I'm actually trying to, oh, I'm only holding half the book here. It's trying to find the page. It's basically the whole caretaker section of the book. There's like about 45, 50 pages of nothing but caretaker drawings in the Art of Last Jedi book. I think it's specifically page 42 through page 45. Just all those black and white ink sketches of the caretakers doing random things. All that stuff is amazing. That last painting of the one of a caretaker getting clams off of rocks. I wish Ryan Johnson had more time to just put shots like that in the movie because I know he probably would have or did and just cut them out. Just caretakers doing things. I can't stop thinking, too, like like we were saying with the Christmas album, like, where's our Force Awakens sequel trilogy or Last Jedi Christmas album? If this was the old days, there would be a caretakers cartoon, right? Like, where's our caretakers cartoon? Who's to say this isn't the old days? <laughs> Bring back the old days. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what Filoni's been working on all this time is the, the 2D animated caretakers cartoon. The wacky, wacky adventures of the caretakers in Achoo Island. The visitors and the porgs and milking things and eating fish. No, you're right. If The Last Jedi came out in 1983, we could look forward to Saturday morning fun with the caretakers. Stuart Copeland's still alive. He can write us another song, theme song for the caretakers. <laughs> we can get Dr. John to sing it. <laughs> That's, yeah, even better. <laughs> Eating fish on an island. Oh, what else do you got? Page 132, the big nothing but studies of droid heads for the uh, waiter and waitress droids on Canto Bite. Big fan of that. That's a cool one. I was just looking at that with my son the other day and we we realized after staring at it forever that they actually don't even none of those are even the one they picked. <laughs> like it's not even in the list. It's so many designs. I'm a big fan of page 48, uh, Justin Sweet's painting of Ray meditating. Yeah, there's a lot of good Ray. Ray on Achi two Achu sneezing stuff. What else have you got? Uh, another one is the very back. I think it's the last page. The kind of comic booky stable boys group shot with uh. Bobby Bubbleface, whatever the I keep forgetting that guy's name, because <laughs> that's another one where it's like there would have been the caretaker island cartoon and then there would have been the little more sci fi action packed stable boys of Canto Bite cartoon. It's I mean, it's a it's a, it's a golden concept just waiting to happen. 
One boy is slowly learning how to use the force to sweep up the hay. They just sneak out at night and go on adventures while Bubbleface is sleeping. I think my my favorite, though, the last one on my list, though, is on page 26. It's by Ian McKegg, and it's just Luke and Ray. But I think what really hit a nerve for me with that is I I connect Ian McKegg's art so much with the prequels, especially episode one. And just to see him drawing in a very prequel way, old Luke and Ray together, I was just like, I almost shed a tear. It's like, that's what it's all about. All, it's all together. That's a hot image that maybe someday we'll get the uh, Ian McKegg action figures. Or we'll get an action figure of of prequel style looking Luke and Ray. Oh well, I got one more little one just because I like to I liked to see a drawing of him. Page one twenty one, the little uh, thumbnail picture of the pilot Canto Alien Eleven, the yacht pilot with his little LCD monocle and his little sailor cap. I don't know. He just looks like a cool guy to hang out with. I think about that guy a lot. Someday I can, I'll be that guy with my laser monocle and flying a boat. It's good to have goals and dreams. (laughs) What if dreams came true and you could be who you wanted to be? You could do what you wanted to do and you could help who you wanted to help. What if dreams came true and the world opened up and you were never, ever afraid? What if dreams came true? But dreams do come true, don't they? Pick up, if you haven't already, The Art of the Last Jedi, written by Phil Sostak. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Abrams Books. It's available all over the place. You can get it on Amazon. If you enjoyed The Last Jedi, you will definitely find this book fascinating. And even if you didn't enjoy The Last Jedi... You'll still probably have fun with the book. Yeah, why not? If you like Star Wars, you probably like looking at Star Wars drawings. (laughs) So give it a shot. I know I do. This is Jerome St. John Blake. Um, I played Masamida, Rune Harko, Oberansesis, and a few other guys in the Star Wars prequel trilogy. And I'm standing here with Gabe from Blast Points Podcast and uh, looking forward to my debut appearance on his show. Watch this space. And may the force be with you. All right, so... We have a couple iTunes reviews that we can get through. These are all the way from the UK, both of them. Oh, awesome. What's what's the first one here? All right, the first one here is Captures the Way Real Fans Think by Shatterhand55. I love the anarchic way these guys think. It's exactly the same way I do, and it's their genuine enthusiasm that will keep you coming back for more. Far too many podcasts seem to exist to poke holes in things or to complain, but not this one. May the force be with you for episode 100. Thank you, Shatterhand55. This is back probably before we did our 
100th episode, but I love it. Yeah, thank you. Well, yeah, I guess to explain, I think some of these are a few months old. We've mentioned it in the past, but iTunes makes the other country reviews hard for us to find. So if you're in a country other than the U.S. and you send us a review, just be patient. We'll stumble across it eventually. The next one is from Lancet One, and it's titled A Pure Delight. Always two there are. Well, Jason and Gabe are no Sith. Just really great Star Wars podcasters. Their use of sound bites is fantastic. So happy they have reached 100 episodes. Long may they and blast points continue. From our friend Neil Lowry. Well, thank you, Neil. Yeah, thanks, Neil. All right, we got one more, and this one is from Canada. And this one's from Cole2187, and it's titled Wizards. I like it already. Blast Points is the best all-in-cap Star Wars podcast in the galaxy. I've been listening since episode 29, and I've been addicted ever since. I find myself listening to episodes multiple times. Jason and Gabe are funny and entertaining and not afraid to go into the depths of Star Wars where everyone else is too afraid to go. Every time a new piece of Star Wars news comes out, I can't wait to hear what they have to say about it. Great job, boys, but I do have one question. Where is the goddamn Coyote Mundi episode? That's <laughs> a very good question. <laughs> For another time. If we ever have an episode come out on Monday, we'll do a, a Manic Mundi episode. I don't know. Hopefully this year. We've been planning on doing an episode about the Coyote Mundi Dark Horse comics. For years, and that's true. Hopefully, 2018 is the year that uh, that episode finally happens. That could work. Moondy and his sombrero is ready. Oh, ready to be told. Legendary. He trained a young Tuscan Raider. It was. Yeah. He had a daughter. I think he had a daughter too, right? Kyendi Mary. So yeah, be careful what you wish for, because dreams really do come true. So. Thank you. Thank you all. And you should leave us a review on iTunes when you're done listening to this episode. Write something awesome. We'll read it just like we did all those. Thank you. 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 Hi, J.J. Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Don't be scared. It's only the Death Star destroying another world. Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun. Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present... Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise.
Yep, and check out BlastPointsPodcast.com. You can listen to the theme music. You can order T-shirts. We got recipes. We got comics. Occasionally, we have articles and things. Um, or check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and yeah, Facebook. Send us messages. Send us pictures. Tell us you hate us. Whatever. We love it all. <laughs> and we'll be back next week for another all-new episode. If everything goes according to plan, we still got more Last Jedi stuff to talk about. Yeah, we got to get our talk about Last Jedi as much as we can before the on the wave of Solo crushes us. So, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, thank you. Bye bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <sighs> May the force be